Tonight I want to speak to you uh, from this thought, could we be limiting the power of God? Could we be limiting the power of God? If you're able to stand with me this uh, evening, when I begin reading in Luke chapter number 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 17, and I'm going to read another account of the same story. I told you this morning, this story also is in another gospel And uh, we'll speak from that one in just a moment. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse number 17, and the Bible says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and and Judea and Jerusalem. And I want you to notice this next phrase, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Behold, men brought in a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And they are completely correct about that. Only God alone can forgive sins. They just didn't realize that God was standing right in their midst. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, remember I said, you can, he knows your thoughts. When he perceived your thoughts, he answering and said unto them, Why reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he arose before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed in his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we've seen strange things today. Now, I'm going to have you turn to Gospel of Mark. Just go back to the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 2. This is not quite as lengthy a passage. Verse number 1, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days. It was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there were no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh him from the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye those things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed? And walk. 
but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for what this week has meant to my wife and I, just to be able to have the privilege and the honor to be able to be a part of this uh, church's Faith Promise Missions Conference. And I pray that, Lord, uh, something that has been uh, shown us either through the slides or preached might stir us to want to do more to reach our world with the gospel. Lord, it's an incredible responsibility when we consider that the responsibility to reach the world with the gospel has been given to none other than just your church. So that puts the responsibility upon us, and I pray that we would be faithful at doing it. And that, Lord, uh, we know that as we give the gospel out, that uh, the Holy Spirit of God can take what we give, whether it's just a seed, and he can bring a harvest of souls through that. And we'll thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> Over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, in verse number 17, I just want to take a thought from there and then bring it here to Mark, chapter 2, where obviously he had said these things in these two passages here, that conclude the same uh, story. But in verse 17, it says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. You know, that ought to preach just by itself, when you think about it, that the power of the Lord was present to heal. Could you just imagine a church service where it might be that if the power of the Lord wasn't present? And I think probably in many churches today, that might be the norm that in a lot of churches, the power of the Lord that's present to heal is not present. And so what they try to do is they try to fabricate ways to bring about results without God. And we understand that, uh, that you can't do that. The Bible says, without me, you can do nothing. You know, we're, we can't do it without the Lord. He said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. He didn't say, we couldn't build a house. He just said, if you try to do it without me, you'll build it in vain. So it has to come from God. And what I want us to understand here is that when we look at these last days that we're living in, and I do think we're living in the last days of the church age, where if we don't get busy, uh, we're going to leave a lot of people behind that have never heard the gospel. And yet, in Revelations chapter 3, John gives a description of the church at Laodicea, which in my opinion is probably uh, a, a type of the last day church. And it gives the spiritual temperament of this end time church by saying that they're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. And in, re- in regard actually to the position that Jesus held in that church is that he's outside knocking and desiring for someone to open the door and let him in. And it says, if any man will hear his voice and open the door, he'll come in and sup with him and he with me. And he's not really talking about knocking on a heart's door there, although that could be an application. But in that passage of scripture, he's actually saying in the end times, the church is going to pretty much put me outside and they're going to operate without me. And I'm going to be standing at their door knocking to get back in. 
And all they're going to be doing is a bunch of lukewarm stuff because the power of God's not going to be with them. But he said, if they'll open up and let me back in, why then I'll come in and I'll do a work and I'll sup with them. Uh, Let's pray we never get to the place where Jesus is not invited in our church because the Bible says that the power of the Lord was present. Now, in the story that we read here in Luke chapter number 5 and Mark chapter 2, if you have Mark chapter number 2 here, uh, you know, he's trying to talk about the fact that that this this is a a time when Jesus would come to Capernaum and uh, he was going to meet with people. And uh, as I thought about this idea here about the power of the Lord being present to heal, I thought about in many churches where the Bible says, Two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst. So I I really believe that that the Lord's power is here. Because the Bible says that after the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, uh, you'll receive power. So the power of God, because of the Holy Spirit, is within us. And when we gather together, that power is present. That power of God is present. But I I will say this to you. It, It isn't always manifested. It can be present without it being manifested. Do you understand the difference? Is that the power of God can be present to heal, but nobody gets healed. Nobody gets saved. Uh, nothing happens. I'm thankful of the story that we're reading here that a man's going to have his sins forgiven because the power of the Lord was present. But it didn't just happen automatically. There were certain things that, the, that took place in this story that I think would help us to know what we need to do as a church in order to make it easy for God to manifest the power that is present so that we don't come and just go through the motions and then see nothing happening. Because if nothing happens in our church services, it isn't because of God's inability to be able to accomplish it. It's because obviously at times we're not setting the right atmosphere within our hearts and within our church to make it easy for him to manifest the power for him to heal and to change lives and to save souls. So it would really be good if we kind of knew what we're supposed to be doing as a church so that when the power of the Lord is present, it'll make it easy for God to be able to manifest that power and see lives changed. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So I want us to look at something very practical tonight. And uh, before I give you these points here that are in the text, I want you to know that when Jesus met in this house in Capernaum on this particular day to teach and preach, the Bible says there in Luke that there were Pharisees and scribes present. And yet, at the same time, they were present and sitting by, listening to what he had to say, but then, but then they don't get healed. They don't get changed. They don't get saved. And, and a thought that I had about this is the power of God to heal, is available to anyone. I mean, he could have, if they could have been right in their heart toward him, he could have released that power to save them as well. But they didn't get healed because of the fact that they were in unbelief and opposition to him. Uh, they, they, they were self-righteous. They believed that practicing the law of Moses and, and living righteous before themselves that made him right with God, and that limited the power of God just like it would today, because of their pride. They had too much pride. So when you look at this story here, and you'd say, well, the the scribes and the Pharisees were sitting by, and yet they don't get healed, they don't get changed. 
Why is that? Well, it's the same reason why there's people sometimes that come to our church and they don't get saved and they don't get changed and they don't get healed. And it's because of pride. It's because of self-righteousness. It's because of unbelief. It's the same exact thing that limits the power of God from being able to want to change and heal someone. Those things can actually hinder the power of God. So when we come, we need to come with the idea that we're going to believe what we hear. We're, we're, we're not going to let our pride, uh, you know, keep us from making the decision that we need to make. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to say it to you again that I can't do anything to fabricate, uh, you know, results in saving a soul. Only, only God himself can do that. The soul that's dead in trespasses and sin or to bring about revival in someone's heart, only God can do that. It takes the power of God to do that. But what we can do is do what God's asked us to do as a church. And he has, I think, uh, the, the, if, when you read the New Testament, it, it's in this passage of Scripture, some things that we can do so that when we gather together, we can actually witness the manifestation of the power that's present in seeing people saved and healed. And that's really, and I don't mean heal like hit them on the forehead. I'm talking about healed spiritually from their sins that only God's power can take away. So I want us to just look at this passage, and it's a very practical message. It's, it's very basic, but I just think that if churches would get back to the basics of doing what God's called us to do, we might see the power manifested more. Now, don't, I'm not in any way indicating that this church isn't doing the right things. It's a reminder here of what made it easy for the Lord to heal this man. His power was able to heal this man. So let's look at this passage uh, tonight here as we conclude this conference. And uh, I want you to notice that there was power here in verse number 1. And again, it says in Mark 2, 1, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now, we just read that real fastly, but uh, it's interesting that when you read that word, that word noised here, uh, I looked it up and it means to publish. It, it means to declare. It means to make known to others. And really, when the word got out that Jesus was going to be in this house, the Bible says that the people begin to noise abroad. They begin to publish it. They begin to uh, you know, declare that Jesus was going to be there. Listen, men and women were publishing and inviting and telling people about Jesus being in this house. Hey, there's power in that. There's power in publishing the word. There's power in noising it abroad. You say, who did they noise it abroad to? Well, in Mark chapter number 1, look at verse number 40, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And then notice, if you would, he goes on to say, and as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he, straight, uh, and he uh, straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. 
But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in the desert places and they came to him from every quarter. Now, listen to me. He's not, we're not going to uh, take from this passage of scripture the idea that when Jesus uh, healed this man, that Jesus didn't want anybody to know and, and apply that and say, well, when we get saved, Jesus said, don't go tell anybody. Well, this man was physically healed here. We don't read that he was saved, but, but uh, we do know that, that Jesus didn't come here just to be a physical healer. And, and so he came to teach and preach the word of God. And obviously this, this leper gets saved and, and the Lord says to him, now listen, don't go out and tell everybody uh, that, that I'm here because all the lepers will come. And don't go and tell everybody that I'm a healer because I'll get everybody that's lame and halt and blind and, and I won't be able to spend time preaching the word and teaching for the purpose that I did come. And Jesus didn't come to be just a physical healer. His healings were only to manifest his deity and his ability to have the power to do even physical things in people's lives so that they would have the assurance that he could even do things spiritually in their life. That was the only reason he did the miracles that he did. To prove he was God, because even Nicodemus, Nicodemus said, you know, uh, uh, he said, no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So it was obvious that when they saw him uh, healing a leper and opening the eyes of the blind and so forth, they had to know this is no normal person. This is not just a natural man. This must be God in him doing this. And so the Lord used that. But he wanted this man to know that don't just go out and spread the word to everybody that I'm a healer or they'll all come. And that's not my purpose for coming. My purpose is to show them that they have a need spiritually in their life to have their souls saved. But, but the point that I, I, I notice here, Mark chapter 2 and verse number 1, here's a man who experienced the power of the Lord to heal him, this leper, and he went out and was publishing it to everybody and you can bet other lepers did come. Even though he told him not to say anything, if he had leprosy and now he doesn't have it, he's going to go to other lepers and he's going to say, hey, you're not going to believe this, but I don't have leprosy anymore. And the one that healed me of that with his power is going to be in that house over there and I'll guarantee you other lepers made their way there. And it wasn't just him. You can bet that the blind men that had been had their eyes open prior to this time when they found out that Jesus was going to be in this house, that these blind men went to other blind people and said, hey, he can open eyes as well, and the blind came as well. And, and, and you can go through it. I mean, I'm convinced that probably the divorced came. When you think about it, in John chapter 4, this was a divorced woman. She'd been married five times. The Bible says she went out and spread publicly what the Lord had done in her life. And so I can just imagine that not only the blind came and the lepers came and the divorce came and the demon possessed came and the adulterers came and the lame came. I mean, there was a multitude that showed up at this house to the point that it filled the whole house up. I don't even know exactly where the Lord was standing in the house getting ready to preach and teach, but I'm telling you that they came from everywhere. Why? Because it had been published, it had been noised abroad, it had been told. And I can guarantee you that blind men that had been made to see and the lepers that had been healed of their leprosy, they went out and told what the Lord had done in their life. And I'm just simply telling you that there was a time in our independent Baptist churches, I can remember in the early 70s where at New Testament Baptist Church, there was 
hardly ever, there was hardly ever a church service where people were not walking down the aisle and, and making professions of faith and getting saved. It was almost at every service. I, I'm serious. We, we, it, it, and the reason for that is because our church family at that time, uh, which was traditional to a lot of independent Baptist churches at that time, were, was much more proactive to go out and tell others what Jesus had done for them. And they were spreading the word and publishing it and inviting people to come and bringing them in on the buses. And their parents were coming and they were out on visitation on Tuesday nights and out on visitation on Thursday nights and out on visitation on Saturdays. And the church was going out into the community and publishing what God had done in their life. I've often said, you know, a lot of times Christians don't go soul winning because they don't know enough of the Bible and so they don't have the confidence or feel adequate. But I said this the other night. All you got to do is tell them what the Lord's done for you. That's it. You'd say, well, would that be all it would need, all, all it was needed? That's all you need to do is publish what the Lord had done. And they're likely to come. I mean, if you tell them uh, that, hey, you know, I used to be a drunk, but after I got saved, I, w- I got rid of my liquor, and man, my life's been changed. They just might show up at your church knowing that the power that healed you might be present to heal them. Hey, if you've got other vices in your life and you would just tell them, this is the way that I used to be and God's power changed my life, saved my soul, and now I'm not the same individual. If you would just go around your community and tell people that, you might see a little bit more lost people coming and visiting the church. And I understand, listen to me, I get it. The, the church isn't supposed to wait for the world to come to the church. We're supposed to go out and impact the world. I understand that. But I'm just telling you, if we were impacting the world, they'd come. So it might mean that maybe they're not coming because maybe the church isn't going out as much as we should. And we're just expecting folks to show up once in a while. And so many in our churches already claim they're saved. So when the invitation is given to come and be saved or healed or whatever the case might be, we see very little result of it because we've already been through that ourselves. Well, how much have you told and published to anyone else about that? I'm just telling you, this house got filled from those who noised it and published it abroad, what Jesus had done in their life. And I think there's an application here. Is that what God wants us to do? I think it would make it much easier for God to save souls on the times that we meet in our church service. And I understand what the purpose of the church is for Christians and all of that, but isn't it always wonderful when a lost person does come and the preacher preaches the word and he walks down the aisle? Man, that's a hallelujah. I mean, that's a blessing. And sometimes a whole family, before the week is out, a whole family is getting saved. That's a blessing. Really, missions really, folks, honestly, uh, missions is about taking the gospel to lost people, whether it's in your Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, or the other most parts of the earth. That sums it up. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And they have no other way to get it except through us. So we just find here that Jesus is going to be able to heal this man because it had been noised abroad. Now, we've got an example here of a man that can't get to Jesus. I mean, he's got palsy. So here's the second thought that I have here. And that is, and by the way, I just wrote down in my own notes here, there's power in publishing the word. There's power in getting the word out, what Jesus has done for you. And all of you that claim that you're saved, you all have a testimony. Every one of you got your own story 
about when you got saved, where you got saved, what Jesus did for you in your life. And so the Great Commission is for us to take the gospel and go out and publish it. Publish it. Not just, you know, produce more Bibles uh, in that sense of publishing, but to declare it, proclaim it, let people know. Notice in verse number two here, there's something else that I think made it easy. I mean, it's much easier, listen, for Jesus to be able to heal if a crowd comes. <laughs> and then if there's nobody here. But look at verse 2. And straightway many were gathered together. That's the result of publishing it. Insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now, my, my other thought here is, is that there's, there's power uh, in people assembling together. Not just publishing the word, but assembling together. How much easier would it be for God to work in people if they came expecting God to do something? Really, because I really believe that all this group that showed up at this house came there with the expectation Jesus was going to do something, and hopefully he was going to do something for them. Have you ever come to church with the expectation that you hope Jesus is going to do something for you? I mean, really, just you come to church with the idea that you just come and sit, but no. Have you ever just took the time to pray before you get here to church and say, Lord, I, I've got this situation. I'm going today expecting you to work in my heart. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. I need you to work in my life. Boy, we might even see not just the unsaved coming. We might even see a lot more of the people that are already claiming they are saved coming and getting right because they come with the expectation that God's going to do something. But it's much easier if we would, if all the people, it says here, were assembled. Listen, you want to know why in a lot of churches that the power isn't being manifested? It's because in some cases, churches aren't even present. They're not assembling. I said this morning, or one of the services, you have an, an evening service, a Sunday night service, but we've got churches not just outside the Baptist ranks, but even within our Baptist ranks, that are deciding they don't want to assemble anymore on a Sunday night. Now that'll limit the power of God to be able to do something. If the church isn't going to show up, if you're not going to assemble together, he can't do anything to manifest the power that is available to heal you if you would be here. So thank God for a good church that has services Wednesday night and Sunday morning, Sunday night. I mean, you might as well get used to being in church. You're going to be there for all eternity and, and worshiping God and singing songs and so forth. But think about all the ones that, that don't. How, how, how can they expect results if they won't come together? Hebrews chapter 10, 25, the Bible says, forsaking not the assembling yourselves together as the matter of some is, but so much more as you see the day approaching. The Bible says, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It doesn't mean so much more assembling. It means that as the last days are falling upon us and it's going to get tougher, then we need to assemble so that we can provoke and exhort one another so much more and encourage each other in the Lord. And so you, you want to see what a real Baptist church ought to be like. Then you look at verse number two there and it says in straightway, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. Boy, do we like it when a crowd shows up. Do we like it when the assembly is here? 
I mean, it's like we're saying, okay, Lord, we've assembled together. I mean, we've gone out and we've published it. We've told people about it. We've told them that our church, God meets with us every time we meet together. God meets with us. You ought to come. He's got the power that's present to heal if you'll be there. And if we'll tell people and the crowd will assemble, it's going to make it a lot easier for God to be able to do something. And then I'm trying to get through these quickly here, but notice verse number two in the latter part of it. The Bible says this. Not, uh, he says, uh, and, and not, uh, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Now, brother, there's not only power in publishing the word, and there's not only power in a church assembling together, but there's power in the word being preached. I mean, you know, uh, it says he preached the word. It doesn't say he preached his opinions. It doesn't say that he preached himself. It doesn't say that he preached his own thoughts or his own ideas. And, and hey, you know, a lot of that stuff's good stuff. A lot of it's true stuff, but it's just, not, it's just not the word of God. He told Timothy, Timothy, go and preach the word. And so here before the healing ever takes place, it's preceded by the preaching of the word. He preaches first to get the word out before the man can even be healed. And so the power of preaching the word. I was thinking about that this afternoon, and uh, we shouldn't be afraid to preach the word. <clears throat> Isaiah 58, 1, it says, lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their sin. We've gotten to the place that we live in a society, and boy, I'll tell you, it's getting worse. It just seems like everybody gets offended by everything. You can't hardly say a word without somebody being offended, uh, you know, because you didn't use something politically correct or whatever. I'm more interested in being biblically correct than politically correct. And, and, and I don't mean that we should be mean or we shouldn't be compassionate to people or take advantage of people that do assemble and get down on them or anything of that nature. I'm just simply saying that if we would just preach the word like he preached the word to them, it, it would make it easier for him to manifest that. I'm talking about preaching on the cross. I'm talking about preaching about the blood. I'm, I'm talking about preaching uh, that, 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 that convicts hearts. I, I'm talking about preaching on uh, the gospel and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit and preaching about sin and preaching on hell and preaching about the love of God and preaching about the judgments that's going to come and preach about the local church and preach about eternal security and preach about separation and preach about Christian living and preach expositorily and verse by verse Precept upon precept. I'm just simply saying that a lot of times the reason the power is present but it's not being able to manifest it because the preaching that's being done isn't coming from the word. It's a lot of articles and political gobble and so forth and, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a feel-good kind of message. You know, you have a champion within you. All you've got to do is reach in and grab that champion. You can be whatever you want to be. That, that isn't from the word of God. I know it makes us feel like Man, I, I can do this. No, what's, uh, let me tell you what's within us, a sin nature. That's what's within us, not a champion. There's no champion in me except the Holy Spirit after you get saved. But before you're saved, there's no champion in you. You, you just have a sin nature. And if, and if, if God is going to do anything, you have to be willing to admit you have that sin nature. And you're only going to be able to admit you have that sin nature is if someone gets up and preaches the word uncompromisingly 
and tells people the truth and do it in love, but they tell them the truth so their hearts can be changed and their lives can be changed. We shouldn't be afraid to preach. I might also have you notice that the preaching, I said, preceded the healing. Jesus preached the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus taught the word. He indoctrinated them. Over there in Luke, it said he came and taught them. He indoctrinated them first. Then he preached to motivate. Teaching is to indoctrinate. Preaching is to motivate what you've already given them that they know. Someone said you can only teach what you know, but you can only preach what you feel. And that's true. You know, you can only preach, really, if you feel it and you're convinced of it. And then quickly in verse 3, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. Now, I believe there's power in people cooperating together or have a cooperative spirit. I think that's really what this is about here is there was a man, obviously, not far from this house, but he had palsy, and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't get to this house, it, even though it had been noised abroad, even though it had been published. So four concerned men, for his soul and his condition, went down to his house, picked up his bed on all four corners, and cooperatively worked together to get this man to this house so Jesus might heal him. I mean, hey, there's power in a cooperative church that works together, if you'll work together. That's really what missions is about. Missions conferences, missions filling out a card, what are we doing? We're, we're not doing it independently. We're trying to all cooperate together as a church to get the gospel out. So it's a cooperative effort. Everybody gets involved. But there's power in cooperation. There's power in, in, in uh, getting along with each other. A cooperative spirit brings power to a church, makes it much easier for God to manifest his power and heal the people's lives. In Philippians 1.27, the power isn't, uh, wasn't present in some churches because they're not working together or striving together. The devil's got people fussing and fighting with each other. No, I mean, I'm just saying that we gather together and uh, where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst. Okay, well, he's there. If he's there, the power in him is there to heal people. But sometimes nothing gets manifested and nobody gets healed because sometimes we're just fighting and fussing with one another. And that kind of stuff can go on in the church. And it can really limit the power of God from being able to do what he wants to do. We, I don't see anybody here in this story fussing and fighting over. I mean, would they have ever got this guy to the Jesus at this house if when they went down there to get the corners of the bed, if a guy said, I want that corner. And the guy says, no, I'm carrying that corner. No, you're carrying that corner. No, I'm not carrying that corner. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. You know, you're going to carry that corner. No, I'm going to carry this corner. They never got him there. It isn't. You don't, you know, when you come to church, it's not about you getting your way. It's about, it's about people getting saved. It's about people getting healed. And it doesn't make any difference what you get to do or whatever. You just be willing to carry whatever to, to make it possible for this guy to get to Jesus. So I thought about this. I thought, here, here they are bringing four. Four men are bringing this poor soul that has palsy to Jesus, and they're all cooperating together, and they're able to get him to the house. They're able to get him there. But when they get him there, they get to the door, and they can't even get in the door because 
It had already been published and noised abroad that Jesus was in there, and they'd all come with the expectation that he's going to perform some healings, and boy, I'm going to need to get healed. So I can just see them. The Bible said they were pressed. There was a press. That means they were so packed into this house, assembled together, Jesus began to preach the word to them, and these, here's a guy that's got palsy on a bed. He needs to be healed, and they can't even get him inside the door for Jesus to heal him because of the press. You know, sometimes I get to thinking that maybe we're limiting people from being able to be helped because we're standing in the way of them being able to get to Jesus. And the reason we're standing there in the way is because we've come selfishly for ourselves rather than for somebody else. And that's why, why they were there to begin with. They were there for themselves, and only these other four brought this man, concerned about this man. Think how many people would have been there, maybe out in the yard and across the desert, if all these people had brought somebody to be healed and see the power of God work in their life. But then, so what did they do? They, they, they instead of giving up and center and say, well, we can't get him in the, the door, nobody will move, we've asked him to move, and I can just see people standing in the door and somebody bumps them in the back and says, could you move? Uh, so I can get this man to Jesus and say, well, hey, he should have got here before me. I was here first. No, I'm not. No, uh, seriously, I believe that probably could have happened. You know, if he wanted to get healed, he ought to come earlier. Uh, I'm not moving. Excuse me, ma'am, could you move? No, I'm not moving either. Uh, you know, I'd like to be closer to Jesus, but I got here and, and there's no more room. So I'm sorry, he's just not going to be able to get in. So instead of giving up, like so often when we work, to try to get somebody to the Lord, and we, and we don't see the result right away, we kind of give up. But there's power in being persistent in the face of challenges. And so what do they do? It says these men never gave up in trying to get this man to Jesus. By the way, when the power of the Lord is present, there will always come opposition and challenges. In Luke chapter 5, verse 18, it says they sought means to bring him to Jesus. Now I realize that little phrase they sought means to bring him to Jesus. The liberals have jumped on the bandwagon with that. You say, in what way? They're saying that that passage means that you can do just about anything to get somebody saved. You can do anything. You can change whatever. What, you know, you, you can, you can, the liberal, the liberals take it to an extreme. And sometimes uh, to say, well, we, can, we can use any means, whatever it takes. And they're justifying that by bringing in the bands and, and letting down their standards and so forth. They're saying, well, we can get people here. You know, the Bible says, by any means. So they're using that, but that's not, that's not fair. But at the same time, conservatives sometimes are not as persistent as they should be or creative. And I really think that we, we ought to be a little bit more creative as churches to use whatever means that we possibly can without violating the integrity of the scriptures. That's the point. There, there's nothing wrong with some things that we can do. You know, we all, hey, listen, if we can't get them at this situation taken care of, well, then let's sit down and work out a solution. Let's find a way where we can reach these people. But to do it within the boundaries of the Bible so that we're not violating the scriptures itself. And so even though the liberals will use that passage of scripture, hey, the Bible says by any means you can bring them in. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, if you, you have to violate separational standards or a doctrine or stop preaching the word to do it, you're in violation of the scriptures. But I think as a church, 
we ought to be as creative as we can and to use as many ideas as we can. One thing I like, I, every time I go to a church, Brother John and, and Brother Marshall, <clears throat> I see, I get ideas from other churches that are winning people. And sometimes those ideas are great ideas and there are no violation of the Bible whatsoever. And I'll come back and say, you know, we need to try that. I was listening to Brother Prater one time. He said that they, uh, they uh, had people, uh, I guess, give money and uh, the money was given to their church and they spread or published abroad that if you came to a particular gas station, that the members of their church would pump your gas for free. It would already be paid for by the members of that church. So lost people from all over liberal Kansas would show up at the gas stations, and the members were there to wash the windows and check the oil or whatever, and tire and all that, and pump the gas, and they would, they would always give them a track. Well, I'd take a track from somebody who's going to pay for my gas, you know. But I thought that was a pretty cool idea. Nothing in violation of that. If the members want to pay for some lost people's gasoline, and it wasn't like fill up every tank. I think it was probably a limited to five gallons or whatever it was. I don't know how many gallons it was, but I think that's a pretty cool idea. They had tons and tons of people that uh, they were seeking a different means to reach into their community to get the word into their hand, and it was a creative idea, and it worked, and there, many of those people came to church as a result of out of their gratitude for that membership, caring enough to even buy them a little bit of gasoline. Now, we haven't tried that at Cornerstone. That's only because I'm not the pastor anymore. But I told John about it, and he said, man, that's a great idea. Well, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I'm not going to stop preaching the word to get a crowd. And I'm not going to take off my tie and dress down and, and make it so easy and casual to the point where we're not honoring the Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. So we're not going to change our standards, although we would accept anybody through the doors of our church, regardless of how they were dressed. We don't have a dress code in our church for somebody to visit our church. But there's power in being persistent. So what do they do? They get up on the roof of the house I imagine the people that couldn't get inside said, what are those guys doing? <clears throat> and they're getting up there and they're pulling the tile off the top of the roof. They know pretty much the location of where Jesus is at in the house, preaching the word. So they pull the tile off on top of the roof and then they start pulling it back and now there's a big hole. And then they go over maybe with four ropes and they grab the man in the palsy and they lift the bed up and they got the bed up onto the roof. And now they're going to lower the bed and the man with palsy down through the hole in the roof so that the bed can come right down before the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly how they did it. Pretty cool. Called rooftop missions, I guess. <laughs> they, they found a way to get him to the Lord Instead of the traditional means of just standing there saying, well, I'm sorry, we can't get in. No, they were creative enough to say, let's get him down, let's get him through the roof. And so the Lord sees their persistence. He sees their cooperative spirit. He sees that they've assembled together with expectation. He sees that they've published and noised abroad. The word has been preached. You come to the last part here and look at, at verse number 5. Verse number four, and he says, when they could not come nigh uh, unto him for the press, 
they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he didn't see the man's faith, even though that might have been a part of that pronoun, but when he saw their faith, the Bible says, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Isn't it amazing here that they bring him to, I really think the four were bringing him to have his sins forgiven. Probably the guy with palsy was coming with the idea of having his, his disease or whatever healed. But I think he not only got his, his physical body healed, he took up his bed and walked, but he got his sins forgiven. And so the Lord sees their faith. Can I tell you? that it makes it easy for God to manifest his power when he sees people who have faith. When there's a congregation together, they've come in, they're expecting God to do something, they're all cooperating together, they're all assembled there to see what Jesus can do, they're all listening to the preaching of Jesus as he preaches the word, and then suddenly Jesus sees their faith, and uh, as soon as he sees their faith, he's able to do something in their life. Could it be that maybe we're limiting the power of God in this area of missions because we don't have the faith to believe that God's got the power to change your life or the faith to provide when you fill out a card? You have faith to believe that he'll provide the, the resources for you to be able to give from week to week or the faith to believe that God can put your marriage back together again? You know, if we don't have faith, you're, you're, you're going to have the power present but nobody's going to get healed. It takes faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. It takes faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If everybody came with those basic principles, if we'd stand there and say, you know, uh, God, uh, we just want to set an atmosphere in our church to make it easy for the Lord Jesus Christ to heal us and save us and change our life. There's a story in the Bible where a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. The Bible says that this woman went to many physicians. It was no better. She'd wasted all of her money on a bunch of doctors that couldn't help her. She hears about Jesus, and so uh, she decides that she said in her mind, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I could be healed. So she goes and out to where Jesus is at, and the Bible says that there was a great multitude following him, and they were pressed up against him, pushing him and, and moving him about and so forth. And this woman with an issue of blood, she worked her way through the crowd. I don't know how she did it, but she worked her way through the crowd. And, and, and she wanted to indiscreetly just reach out. And while Jesus' back was turned, she just wanted to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. And as soon as she did, the Bible says that virtue went out of Christ and she was healed. She fell back into the crowd thinking nobody will know, I've been healed, he released his power, but instead the Lord stopped and said, who touched me? That's what he said. And the disciples and everybody else that was following him goes, who touched you? We're all touching you. We're all pressed up against you. You know? Well, there's a difference in pressing up against the Lord and touching him without faith and somebody who's demonstrating faith. I mean, all of them were 
there pressing him. We all gather together, we're all having a good time, but I'm telling you the ones who get healed are the ones who come with the idea that they want to put their faith in the Lord to heal them. And when they put their faith in the Lord to heal and they reach out to God, God's virtue goes out of him and he heals her. He turned around and said, who touched me? Of course, the crowd spreads apart, and here's this woman, and he commends her and said, she admits and said, I'm the one that touched you. He already knew who touched you. He was God. But I'm just telling you, a lot of times what we do is we come, we can be, we can be touching the Lord and pressing the Lord, but without any faith, nothing happens. All we're doing is following the Savior without any healing being taken place. But this woman came with faith, and the Lord saw her faith and healed her. He'd do the same thing in this church. As soon as he's looking for somebody that's got some faith in him, he'll manifest his power to you. It'll take place just like that. All I wanted to do tonight was simply say this to you in conclusion, that there's power in publishing the word. There's power in assembling together with expectation. There's power in preaching the Bible. There's power in cooperating together as a church. There's power in being persistent through challenges and oppositions. And there's power in a church that has faith. If you'll just take those things from this passage and say, what if we presented that kind of an atmosphere every time that the Lord was present with us who had the power to heal, I just wonder, would anybody get healed? I'm pretty convinced they would. So it could be that maybe the reason we're not seeing the healings and we're not seeing the saved and we're not seeing life's change is somewhere along the line, either we're not publishing it or we're not here and assembled like we should be or we're not listening to the preaching or that there's no preaching. And by the way, that wouldn't happen in this church because Brother Marshall... He preaches the word. If you've been a visitor today and you are a visitor tonight, you ought to come back and hear this man preach the word. He preaches the word. And he does it with love. And he does it with a broken heart. And the word can help you. So there's power in these things. And if we would just set the atmosphere, it'd be easy for God to do something. And so let's just just tonight look at this and and you evaluate your own self in the light of these different things when we talk about reaching our community and seeing people's lives changed and, and so forth. Uh, are you cooperating together as a church? Or are you fussing and fighting with each other over who gets to do this and who gets to hold that? I'm telling you, you're going to limit the power that's present to heal unless these things are present in your church. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me tonight with your heads bowed and eyes closed. And I've just tried to hit on these. I have so much more notes about it, but I know we have, uh, there's an activity or something going on tonight, and I didn't want to go real long. Father, I pray tonight that Riverside Baptist Church here in St. Joe, I, I know there's, we don't ever want to feel like we're the only four and there's no more, no more, but there may be another church in this area that also preaches the gospel. Lord, I, I don't know that. I don't live here, but I do know this one does. I do know that there's a church load of people in this congregation, from what I've seen in the week, have a very cooperative spirit and are working together. And I've seen it night after night where they come and assemble together 
and patiently and openly with their hearts listened as you preach the word through me to them. And Lord, I don't know if someone's going through some challenges tonight or oppositions in their desire to follow you, but help them to stay uh, determined. Help them to stay persistent if they really want to see the results. But most of all, Lord, out of this story, help us to see that, that it wasn't just all the people that gathered in this house, but the story centers on the four men who could have just gone to the house and found their way in and forgot about anybody else, but the story's all about being concerned about somebody that, that really does need Jesus. And that really ought to be our heart, is we ought to go after people that really need Jesus and even be willing to bring them, not just invite them, but to say, why don't you ride with our family, or we'll come by and, and we'll bring you to our church, and we'll take you home. We ought to have that kind of spirit if we're really concerned about the people that need Jesus Christ. So I pray that you'd help us to take these very basic, practical things tonight, and as we conclude this missions conference, at least for this week, that we might put into action these things from this passage. And then, Lord, let's just see uh, if the power that is present will really heal the people as they assemble together. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to have an invitation, uh, not a lengthy one, I'm sure, but if the Lord has spoken to you at all, uh, throughout this week, throughout these evenings. The, the church is coming to, services are coming to a close for this week. Uh, and if you're going to make any kind of a decision for the Lord, then you ought to do it tonight. If you haven't, if you haven't turned in that card as they start to tally up what the church is going to do, I hope your card's going to get tallied in. I hope you've got it filled out. And I hope it reveals an increase. And if you haven't been giving, I hope it reveals that you're going to start somewhere. Uh, I'm just praying. I've been praying and even fasting, uh, Lord, for this meeting. And, I, and I've been asking that you would get a hold of hearts, Lord, to help people to give and to go and to serve and to do our part when we think about missions. So I hope you'll do that tonight. So as we have the song leader begin to sing, if you'd like to come, you come, would you, right now? Set my soul. Thank you for being in the services today with us at Riverside Baptist Church. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we certainly would like to help you with that. You can get more information at our website at rbcstjoe.com or call here at the church. If you're a believer and God has spoken to your heart, I hope you'll take time to turn aside and let him have his way in your life. If we can help in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to contact us. We look forward to ministering to you again.